Hello and welcome to Folklore of the Universe, the best podcast for learning amazing new things, besides all the others. I'm your host, Kyle, and here we are at episode 6. This episode, we're going to do the same things that we do every episode, so just the normal, normal dealio, so strap yourselves in for that. This week, I've got three more folk stories. We're going to be doing a Hungarian one, a Zulu one, and another Irish one. We're going to start with our Hungarian story, and Hungary's an interesting country because it is European, but it was settled by the Magyars, who are a nomadic group from somewhere around the Ural Mountains. And this is why the Hungarian language is not in the Indo-European language family, like most of the rest of European languages. Instead, it's in the Finno-Ugric language family, assuming I pronounced that right. Of course, they've been settled there for around 1200 years, so they are very much a European culture and country, but there are these outside influences in the background in the past, which may have some influence on the folklore and the stories that we'll see. But I think that's enough context for the background for this one, so we're gonna start into it. This story is called Cinder Jack. A peasant had three sons. One morning, he sent out the eldest to guard the vineyards. The lad went, and was cheerfully eating a cake he had taken with them, when a frog crept up to him and asked him to let it have some of his cake. Anything else? asked the lad angrily, and picked up a stone to drive the frog away. The frog left without a word, and the lad soon fell asleep, and, on awaking, found the whole vineyard laid waste. The next day, the father sent his second son into the vineyard, but he fares like the first. The father was very angry about it, and did not know what to do, whereupon his youngest son spoke up, who was always sitting in a corner amongst the ashes, and was not thought fit for anything, and whom, for this reason, they nicknamed Cinder Jack. My father, send me out and I'll take care of the vineyard. His father and brothers laughed at him, but they allowed him to have a trial, so Cinder Jack went into the vineyard and, taking out his cake, began to eat it. The frog again appeared and asked for a piece of cake, which was given to him at once. Having finished their breakfast, the frog gave the lad a copper, a silver, and a gold rod, and told him that three horses would appear shortly of copper, silver, and gold, and they would try to trample down the vineyard. But if he beat them with the rods he had given him, they would at once become tame and be his servants, and could at any time be summoned to carry out his orders. It happened as the frog foretold, and the vineyard produced a rich vintage. But Cinder Jack never told his master or his brothers how he'd been able to preserve the vineyard. In fact, he concealed all, and again spent his time as usual, lying about in his favorite corner. One Sunday, the king had a high fir pole erected in front of the church, and a golden rosemary tied to the top, and promised his daughter to him who should be able to take it down in one jump on horseback. All the knights of the realm tried their fortune, but not one of them was able to jump high enough. But all of a sudden, a knight clad in copper mail on a copper horse appeared with his visor down, and snatched the rosemary with an easy jump and quickly disappeared. When his two brothers got home, they told Cinderjack what had happened, and he remarked that he saw the whole proceeding much better, and on being asked, where from? His answer was, from on top of the hoarding. His brothers had the hoarding pulled down at once, so that their younger brother might not look on any more. Next Sunday, a still higher pole with the golden apple on the top was set up, and whosoever wished to marry the king's daughter had to take the apple down. Again, hundreds upon hundreds tried, but all in vain, till at last, a knight in silver mail on a silver horse took it and disappeared. Cinder Jack again told his brothers that he saw the festivities much better than they did. He saw them, he said, from the pigsty, so this was pulled down also. 
The third Sunday, a silk kerchief interwoven with gold was displayed on the top of a still higher fur pole, and as nobody succeeded in getting it, a knight in golden mail on a gold horse appeared, snatched it down, and galloped off. Cinderjack again told his brother that he saw all from the top of the house, and his envious brothers had the roof of the house taken off, so that the youngest brother might not look on again. The king now had it announced that the knight who had shown himself worthy of his daughter should report himself, and should bring with him the gold rosemary, the apple, and the silk kerchief. But no one came. So the king ordered every man in the realm to appear before him, and still the knight in question could not be found, till, at last, he arrived clad in gold mail on a gold charger, whereupon the bells were at once rung and hundreds and hundreds of cannons fired. The knight, having handed to the princess the golden rosemary, the apple, and the kerchief, respectfully demanded her hands, and having obtained it, lifted his visor, and the populace, their great astonishment, recognized Cinder Jack, whom they'd even forgotten to ask to the king's presence. The good-hearted lad had his brother's house rebuilt, and gave them presents as well. He took his father to his house, as the old king died soon after. Cinder Jack is reigning still, and is respected and honored by all his subjects. The End this story is part of a particular category of European folklore that's based off this character of the youngest son, who's sort of a stock character, and we saw Cinder Jack was this stock character. How these stories typically go is that he's got two older brothers who are both jerks, and there's some task, and the two older ones fail because they're jerks, and the youngest one succeeds either because he's clever and comes up with some smart solution, or because he's just nice and is not a jerk and does something charitable which rewards him. Like we saw in this one, Cinderjack succeeds because he's nice to the frog. And as we should know by now, always be nice to frogs, just a general good policy. There's a couple of ideas as to why these youngest son stories are so widespread and popular in European folklore. One is that, typically with inheritance, the oldest sons get everything and the youngest son does not. So the oldest son gets all of his father's property, the second son would get some money, and the third son would get to starve. The reason these stories are so popular, then, is because everyone likes a good underdog. Everyone likes the person who's pushed down and doesn't have much going for them to succeed anyway and overcome the odds. And going from living in a corner in a bunch of ashes to being king is a pretty big step up in life, it's gotta be said. So based off all of these folk stories, statistically, you're more likely to succeed if you're the youngest son. You know, you're going to get all sorts of magic stuff and become king and all sorts of cool things like that. So there's something to, something to think about. Of course, you do need to have two or more older siblings for it to work. So if you've only got one older sibling, sorry, you don't get, you don't get the magic frogs or horses. Also, while there are typically these three trials the hero has to overcome, it's not so typical that all three trials are based off of horsemanship. Usually there are three different things that they get help from, from animals or magic or whatever. But the fact that this one is horse skills for all the trials could be a relic of Hungary's nomadic past from the Magyars. It could not, you know, we've got no way of telling, but it's a possibility. Now we're going to move on to our next story, our Zulu one. The Zulu were the original inhabitants of South Africa, or at least one of the original inhabitants. This story is called Clever Jackal Gets Away. One day, long ago, Jackal was trotting through a narrow rocky pass. As he often did, he kept his nose to the ground as he ambled along to catch the odd scent. 
Never know when it'll happen upon my next meal, he thought to himself, although it was highly unlikely he would find a rat out in the midday heat, but perhaps he could catch a lizard or two. Suddenly, he was aware of a movement ahead of him in the pass. Oh no, Jekyll moaned and stopped dead still in his tracks. Lion was coming towards him. Realizing that he was too near to escape, Jekyll was filled with fear. He had played so many tricks on the great lion in the past, he was sure that Lion would take this opportunity to get his revenge. In a flash, Jackal thought of a plan. Help! Help! cried Jackal. He cowered down on the cliff path, looking above at the rocks. Lion stopped short in surprise. Help! Jackal howled, using the fear he felt in the middle of his chest to accentuate his cry. Jackal glanced up at the lion. Oh, great lord, help! There is no time to lose! See those great rocks above us? They are about to fall! We shall both be crushed to death! Oh, mighty lion, do something! Save us! And Jackal cowered even lower, his paws covering his head. Lion looked up, most alarmed. Before he'd even a chance to think, Jackal was begging him to use his strength to hold up the overhanging rock. So Lion put his brawny shoulder to the rock and heaved. Oh, thank you, great king, yelps Jackal. I will quickly fetch that log over there to prop under the rock, and we will both be saved. With that, Jackal bounded out of sight. Lion was left all alone to struggle under the weight of the unmoving rock. How long he remained there before he realized that it was another trick, we will never know. But this much we do know, Jackal continued to live by his wits. The End This story is an example of an animist one, where we've got these animal spirits who interact and who sort of represent the entire animal population of that kind. So, Jackal is the spirit representing all jackals, Lion is the spirit representing all lions. As is common with these sorts of stories, we've got this trickster spirit, which is Jackal. This figure is very similar to other ones like Coyote or Raven in certain Native American folklores and religions. So a lot of places have these trickster spirits, which are usually the animals who are the cleverest ones. Jackals and coyotes are generally a lot smarter than most other animals out there, and people see that and attribute them to being these clever trickster figures who can either be benevolent or malevolent. Sometimes they do nice things, sometimes they do jerk things, and sometimes they're just sort of wild cards. So in this example, Jackal sees that he's in a bad situation and uses tricks to get out of it by outsmarting the stronger lion. I do think that is funny that Jackal gets into the situation by being a jerk to lion, and he also gets out of it by being a jerk to lion. So sort of funny, poetic, word irony thing going on there. Of course, he wouldn't be in this mess if he hadn't antagonized Lion in the first place. So that's a lesson to all of you. Don't antagonize lions, because they can eat you. The theme behind this one is very similar to the themes behind a lot of these youngest son stories over in Europe, where being clever often is better than being big and strong, and the clever beat the big and strong by cleverness. It is very interesting how universal of a theme this appears to be, because it shows up all over the world. Now we're going to move on to our last story of the episode. This is the Irish one. This is another one involving the fairies, or the good people, as they prefer to be called. And this story is called Lanty McCluskey's Fairy Boon. Lanty McCluskey had married a wife, and, of course, it was necessary to have a house in which to keep her. Now, Lanty had taken a bit of a farm, about six acres, but as there was no house on it, he resolved to build one, and that it might be as comfortable as possible. He selected for the site of it one of those beautiful green circles, 
that was supposed to be the playground of the fairies. Lanty was warned against this, but as he was a headstrong man, and not much given to fear, he said he was not changed such a pleasant situation for his house to oblige all the fairies in Europe. He accordingly proceeded with the building, which he finished off very neatly, and, as it was usual on these occasions to give one's neighbors and friends a housewarming, so in compliance with this good and pleasant old custom, Lanty, having brought home his wife in the course of the day, got a fiddler and a lot of whiskey, and gave those who had come to see him a dance in the evening. This was all very well, and the fun and hilarity were proceeding briskly, when a noise was heard after night had set in, like a crushing and straining of ribs and rafters on top of the house. The folks assembled all listened, and without doubt, there was nothing heard but crushing and heaving and pushing and groaning and panting as if a thousand little men were engaged in pulling down the roof. Come, said a voice, which spoke in a tone of command. Work hard. You know we must have Lanty's house down before midnight. This was an unwelcome piece of intelligence to Lanty, who, finding that his enemies were such he could not cope with, walked out and addressed them as follows. Gentlemen, I humbly ask your pardon for building on any place belonging to you. But if you'll have the civil to let me alone this night, I'll begin to pull down and remove my house tomorrow morning. This was followed by a noise like the clapping of a thousand tiny little hands, and a shout of, Bravo, Lanty! Build halfway between the two white thorns above the boreen. And after another hearty little shout of exultation, there's a brisk rushing noise, and they were heard no more. The story, however, does not end here. For Lanty, when digging the foundation of his new house, found the full of a cam, a metal vessel of gold, so that in leaving to the fairies their playground, he became a richer man than ever he otherwise would have been, had he never come in contact with them at all. The End This story is very similar to the previous Irish fairy story we looked at. Both involve someone building a house on the fairies' area, their playgrounds. Both times they're warned about it, they both ignore the warning, but the difference is that, as we saw in this one, when the fairies get involved, he listens to them, and moves his house and is rewarded for it, while as in the other one, they just get cursed the shit out of them. This story does a great job of showing off the bipolar nature of the good people in Irish folklore, where on one hand, they can be very malevolent and vindictive, and you don't want to run into them, or they'll make your life miserable. On the other hand, if they like you, or are friendly towards you, they can reward you richly. So you have this sort of dichotomy where... You don't know what you're going to get when you run into them. You might get cursed, you might get treasure. In this one, they are pretty friendly because they do listen to his deal and accept it, and they do reward him for it with a bunch of gold. They could have just torn his house down and cursed him, but they didn't. They were, they were pretty chill in this one. Of course, he never would have had this problem in the first place if he hadn't built his house in the wrong place. But that's just more of a zoning error than anything. So you got to be careful out there, because zoning errors can lead to cursings. But I think that's all I have, so we're going to end the episode here. So it is a bit of a shorter one, sorry about that. These stories are just, you know, they're all shorter and more lighthearted ones that can't get super deep into, like last week's. That's okay, though. In the future, we'll do more in-depth ones. You, can, you know, it's always good to mix it up between the lighthearted, less depth shallower ones and the more in-depth complex ones so i hope you've enjoyed this episode we'll have another one out next week if you did enjoy this be sure and tell every people that you know all about it and that is all so once again i will see you next week bye <laughs>